Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. I have beautiful children and a beautiful wife. I want them to walk free in their own land. We are the people of this nation, but we don't have rights. There comes a time when there remains two choices. Submit. This is your final warning! Or fight! Don't worry, we'll find him. And then we'll hang him. Then you'll need a new man to keep you warm at night, won't you? Somebody want me. The sentence will be life imprisonment. The sea wants to kiss the golden shore. The sunlight warms your skin. You will never touch a woman or a child again. All the beauty that's been lost You will die here. Alone, what can you do? Together, we have power. You think you're smart, don't you? Can't be that smart, otherwise I wouldn't be here. We can't fall any further. The people are angry. We are all angry. I am angry. There's going to be a new campaign. Free Nelson Mandela. This is how it begins. People learn to hate. They can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from Entertainment Weekly, Tom Geyer, and tonight's guests, Idris Elba, Naomi Harris, and Justin Chadwick. Is everyone warmed up now? Uh, so let me first start with uh, Justin Chadwick, the director of this film. And um, how is it that, forgive me for saying this, a white guy like you comes to direct the Nelson Mandela film? Well, I, I mean, I think more was the question is how does Guy from Manchester get to direct a movie about South Africa and one of the iconic... I'd made a film in Kenya... Uh, a low-budget, tiny little film with Naomi called The First Grader. And um, one of the producers on that film had got the rights to make Mandela. He'd written to Mandela when he was in prison and got the rights to make the, the book. He's a South African. And he said, look, I've shown the family, I've shown the comrades, I've shown the people that were on Robin Island with, uh, with M Mandela, your little movie, how about making Long Walk to Freedom? And I was like, oh, how do you even begin to tell that story in an hour's, or an hour and a half or a two hour film? It would make the most wonderful mini series. 
And I went down to South Africa and met some of the comrades and talked to them and realized that I had this chance from being outside that I could go to the country and work and listen and observe and just talk to the people who were involved in this story. Um, Winnie Mandela, the two children, the comrades. And because I was from outside, I lived there for over a year talking to people who knew Mandela intimately and thought I could find a way through and make a film that was not just about apartheid, but an intimate story of a man and a woman because I was hearing it from the men and women who'd actually lived the struggle. And how did you arrive at Idris to, to play this iconic figure? Well, The Wire, string a bell. <laughs> Obvious I, <yeah>. choice. <laughs> no, I mean, look, for me, we weren't going for a looky-likey version. Idris is from London. He's not anything physically, apart from he's exactly the same height as Mandiba. Um, but we weren't going for a looky-likey version of the characters. We wanted to catch the spirit of the men and women we were portraying, whether they were Walter Sisulu, Ahmed Kathrada, or any of these characters. And um, I loved Idris's work because he's subtle. And, and because I had this contact with people that knew Mandela as a young man, not just as a politician, but as a young man who'd been out with Mandela as a young man, who knew him, had been out with him, had parted with him. And they all talked about Mandela having this star-like quality and this warmth, and Idris has got great warmth, he's a star, he's also a true gentleman, and he's a subtle, subtle, subtle actor, you know. So no, Idris, were you So I flew and met him for like, and, and we spent three days together while we talked about it. I mean, you've got to remember that, you know, the producers were thinking about a big Hollywood star, I'm not saying that, you know, but Idris, at that time, you know, he, we were, we were looking for somebody to kind of play that part who was going to be prepared to come to South Africa on an independent African movie, working in Soweto, working in Cliptown with real people that had been living the struggle and live the struggle today. So it takes a certain bravery from any actor to walk out in front of 2,000 people from Soweto saying, okay, words that Mandela had said in front of people who have actually lived that struggle. So right from the off, Idris was prepared to work like that. And Naomi too. So that doesn't sound doubting at all, Idris. I mean, what what was it like to to take on this role? Um, it was uh, it was boy, well, it was tough. You know, obviously there was uh, so many challenges, personal challenges that I had to get over. You know, you know, I didn't I didn't believe in Idris playing Mandela. You know, I was I was hooked up on the uh, the looky like version of Mandela. And I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm West African, I'm not South African, so there's a whole different cultural thing that I was aware of. And I was just like, I'm not sure if I could do it, to be honest, I didn't feel that I had the attributes. You know, when my agent called me about it, I put the phone down on him, because I thought he was joking. And he called back, I said, listen, man, you need to speak to Morgan, and put the phone down again. <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually I came around, and Justin came to see me while I was making Pacific Rim in Toronto, and we sat down for three nights and just hung out and spoke about his version of Mandela and the idea of sort of highlighting this younger man, this charismatic man, this man that had, um, was the first black lawyer in Soweto and all this um, energy that he had and he wanted to bring that across because he wanted to show you what Mandela was like when he was my age, 41 and so on, to, to, to give some context to where Mandela you know, ends up and, and, and the Mandela that we know now. So. You know, I was very, I was worried about this role, very much so. What was the biggest challenge for you? Um, 
There were a few. I think the 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 range, playing the range realistically, you know, playing from around 20, which was impossible practically, <laughs> to uh, to 70, you know, and mapping out the whole journey, you know, things happened to his body, to his mind, his voice in that whole whole time, and it was just that was the biggest journey was trying to you know try and figure it all out in 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 you know this six month shoot. We didn't shoot in sequence. We shot out of sequence. So some days or some weeks, I'd be older Mandela, and some the younger Mandela. So it was just you know just pulling it all in and making you know making sense of it was the biggest challenge for me. You mentioned the voice. Tell me a little bit about getting that very memorable cadence of Mandela's voice, which I think you do brilliantly in the film. Thank you, man. Um, it, it was a, a lot of studying. I'm a natural mimic, you know what I mean? If I, if I end up, if I talk with you, you know, for a little bit, then uh, no, that's terrible. Anyway, <laughs> anyway um, but I'm a natural mimic. If I, if I hang around someone for long enough, I start to understand what they're doing with their voice and their, and their um, cadence and, and speech. Um, ironically enough, though, my dad's voice is not too dissimilar. He's from West Africa. It's a slightly different accent. He's and from Afri Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone, yeah. And African, um, you know, people that ha come from Africa speak English with such an interesting cadence. It's broken up. But almost anything you say sounds noble. I'm going to McDonald's. <laughs> it just sounds noble. It's amazing. But, you know, the compa comparatively with Mandela... It was, you know, something that I, I was attuned to with my ears and I could uh, sort of understand a little bit. But Mandela's vocal quality was just, you know, when he was very younger, he had a very high-pitched voice. He stuttered and he spoke very quickly. And as he got an older, he, he slowed it all down. He, he, he realized the power of poise and silence and, um, and really just, you know, sort of settled into his chest. It's very nasally sound. So I kind of just paid attention to all of that and tried to emulate it. I think we have a clip of a courtroom scene that really shows off just what you did with the voice. I have cherished the ideal of a free democratic society where all persons live together in harmony with equal opportunities. It is an ideal which I hope to live for and achieve. But, if needs be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Nelson Mandela, do you plead guilty or not guilty? My lord, it is not I but the government that should be put in the dock. I plead not guilty. See, I, I think I sound a little bit like Tony Montana myself. <laughs> oh, no, anyone know? No, okay. One of the things that's so admirable about this film is that this is not a kind of plaster saint version of Nelson Mandela. And I wonder about, because this is officially authorized by the Mandela Foundation, is my understanding, was there any sort of pushback in terms of portraying Mandela as a womanizer, as a not completely flawless person? Well, that was one of the reservations I had going in because the foundation, which look after the legacy of Mandela and also these personal relationships, like, you know, I, first day I was down there, went to see Winnie Mandela, was with Winnie Mandela for six hours in her house. She still lives in Soweto. But at no point, at no point did anybody 
try to look at the script or influence the script. The, the only thing that they all talked about, and there was men and women. I mean, I spoke to the guy that ties Mandela's shoelaces before he goes in to see President de Klerk. I talked to, to the interrogators, the jailers, and at no point did anybody say anything about what should be or shouldn't be in the film. And, the, and we do not shy away from the controversy. All they wanted, the men and women that were involved, and there's a lot of men and women involved in this story, as you can imagine, you know, is the truth. They want it to be truthful, absolutely true. True to the people that we're representing, true to the many women and, and men that we depict in the film that died, lost their lives to the cause. And ultimately, the, the, the central couple, Mandela and Winnie, they wanted us to be honest, and they wanted... I mean, I talked to them that I was going to show the flaws of their characters. We weren't going to sh shy away from the controversial sides of their characters, and that's what the film depicts. And we showed it two Sundays ago in Johannesburg to the family, to the comrades, to Winnie Mandela, and to the people that are close to Mandela who look, have been with Mandela for the last 30 years. And they all, all, all of those men and women love the authenticity of it, and they all said it represented their struggle. So for me, and I think for the, for the creative team, that meant everything to us. But as far as anybody having a hand in the script or shying away from anything, no, it was absolutely, they wanted the truth. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it was important there, because otherwise you're making, you know, Mandela himself wants to be remembered first and foremost as a man, you know. Um, and that was very, very important in the depiction and, every, and, and informed actually every single decision we made, 360 degree worlds created on sets that if you'd have opened a drawer, inside that drawer would have been things that were true to the struggle and uh, true to that environment that we were in. So it was important to get it right. Naomi, tell me a little bit about the process of your experience in terms of taking on this character Winnie Mandela, who remains a very controversial figure in South Africa, perhaps even more so than, than Nelson. Um, so how did I do that? Mm -hmm. um, I, I did a lot of research, you know, to, to find Winnie. I um, read biographies written about her. I interviewed people who knew her. I watched documentaries in which she featured. I um, watched lots of uncut footage as well, um, where she was being interviewed for hours. And it, it, was, it was really difficult to find this woman because she's so polarizing in terms of pe people's opinions about her. And you know, you'd hear two people describing an event where she turned up and they describe it her in completely different ways. And so I really struggled to like find her essence and, and who she was until uh, Idris organized for us actually to have dinner with Winnie and uh, I was able to ask her herself, like, who are you and how do you want to be portrayed? And she really gave it back to me. She was incredibly generous and she said, look, you're the right person for this role. All I ask is that you portray me faithfully. So do your research and come up with me as you see fit. So um, that's really what I did. You know, I just became like a detective doing lots and lots of homework and really trying to piece together events and try to understand her motivation and, and hopefully finally capture her. Was there a moment in your research where it clicked, where you got her? Uh, yeah, I think really, I think I'd, I'd really kind of 
sussed her out before I met her. And I had a really strong idea before meeting her of how I wanted to play her. But having her give me that freedom really allowed me to kind of take ownership of the part. Because up until that point, I'd felt pulled in lots of different directions. I know Justin had his idea about who she was. I knew the producers had their ideas. But really, as an artist, what you're, you're looking for is creative ownership of your character. And it wasn't until she gave me that that I was able to truly find her. Let's take a look at uh, one more clip of, of the meeting of Winnie and Nelson. You want to lift? Okay. Sure. Do you always accept lifts from strangers? You are not a stranger. You are Nelson Mandela. And you are Winnie Madikazela. How do you know? I made inquiries. And what else did you find out? That you work at Bariguanov Hospital. You are the first black social worker they've ever hired. And you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Smooth. Now, we've, we've seen this clip, and they, of course, do get together, but much, of their but much of their love story, they are not on screen at the same time. You know, you, Nelson spends decades in Robbins Island, so tell me a little bit about the experience of telling a love story where the two central figures spend so much time apart. Uh, well, that became, well, that was the, that, that was the key that unlocked the film. I mean, the, the producer had written to Mandela in prison, as I said before, when, he came, when Mandela came out of prison, he gave the rights to the book to the producer, the South African producer of the movie. And they tried for years to make the movie. But it was only really once, once we were down in South Africa, when I got involved about three years ago, that the central love story, everybody talked about Mandela having this amazing energy and this, this, this almost electricity as a young man. When he met Winnie Mandela, she too was this very, very bright, articulate, passionate young woman. And when the two came together, I mean, it was explosive. I mean, they could have done anything. And um, so it was really important for me, you know, when you're making a film, you have to try and find a point of view. Otherwise, it just becomes an episodic movie about apartheid, which would make a great miniseries. But we, we were trying to make a film that had a personal take on it, a take about looking at these men, uh, these two characters as men and women who were fathers, husbands, you know, people like us. And um, so it's very important that we found a central point of view and that point of view was the love story. And it took one day when I was on, the last prison that Mandela went to, I went in the very, very early days of my research and I was in Victor Fistel, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember Mandela coming out in the 90s of prison. It was an, a day when I was a student, I was watching the footage and I was, the TV cameras were all there. We, nobody knew what Mandela looked like. And then eventually he emerged and we were waiting for ages and ages. It, was, it took so long to come out. So all this time later, three years ago, I'm in that prison. And I'm with a guard that was there on the day. And the guard, I said, listen, we were, you know, I was in, I was at college at the time in England. Why, why, was, why were we all waiting? And uh, he said, well, he was waiting for Winnie. He was waiting for Winnie. He would not, all his family were around him, and he would not walk out of that prison without her 
holding his hand. He would not do it, even though, and this was a young guy then talking, even though that relationship was broken and shattered and was full of problems, he would not walk out without her. And that was like, wow. So me and Bill, Bill Nicholson, the writer, we started from that point, right, love story. That will be the central spine. And then they've got 10 minutes of screen time. So as a director, you hope and you pray that your movie stars, I love them both separately, but you don't know until you actually get them on film that will they have this chemistry? Will they have this elusive thing? And I have to say, that first day when I got the rushes back, their passion seared through that celluloid. It was beautiful. And it was, a, it was the heart of the movie, and that is the heart of the film for me, and it's down to these two. I think we're gonna open it up to, to questions from all of you. Uh, how's it going? My name is David. Uh, I just want to say I, I'm going to actually see the movie in a screening on Monday, and I work in a global history class, so I'm definitely looking forward to sharing this with the students. Um, my question for you guys is, what difficulties did you guys have in making this movie a reality in terms of, as a director, um, using true events from the book and putting them on screen? And for both of you as actors and actresses, uh, playing these individuals that are still around? Um, well, for me, um, you know, Justin said it earlier, 360 degree sets, which means that everything around you is part of the film. So the cameras can essentially shoot anywhere. But what that also means is that the extras that were in part of those massive crowd scenes where you have to do these speeches. Now, the, the, the average age of the extras is probably the same age as this room. Half of them are you know, too young to actually remember Mandela in his prime, but it's very much ingrained into their system. And therefore, they would not allow Idris Elba, the guy from Daddy's Little Girls. <laughs> I hear that all the time out there. Daddy's Little Girls, man. <laughs> the guy from Daddy's Little Girls to come up on stage, do Mandela and lie to them. That was not allowed. You know, I w not that I wasn't allowed to make mistakes within my speeches or forget my lines but if I did for a moment they were so passionate about what they were seeing they were so behind us and so it was a challenge I think just because I know it's a real a real man a real man to them I was really 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 nervous about lying to them I never had to because they gave me so much more energy back than I I could even possibly give them but that just encouraged us and know me to really make those speeches and those moments as real as they can get, you know? Hey, uh, first, Miss Harris, you look gorgeous. <laughs> now, Smooth. Hey. And now, Mr. Elba, Mr. Chadwick. Uh, Mr. Elba, coming from doing Prometheus, the Thor sequel, and uh, Pacific Rim, and Mr. Chadwick telling such a moving, great story, are you pushing for an Oscar campaign? Uh, against the other Weinstein companies, other films such as Fruitville Station and Philomena, or are you just satisfied telling such a great moving story? Look, this movie is an independent South African movie financed out of South Africa, you know, and just to have, it's, you know how hard it is for, 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 you know, in movie houses and in the multiplexes, they're so dominated by the big blockbuster, huge big budgets. You know, those movies with CGI and, you know, for us to be picked up by the Weinstein Company, who are, I have to say, the greatest, 
greatest independent promoters of movies and are passionate about telling stories from other areas of the world. I'm just glad to be in America showing this movie. You know, this movie is, you know, we were free to make this movie, but you know what, you can imagine, biopic, you know, period drama, oh my goodness. You know, we have a phrase in England, you know, it's like spinach, you know, could it be like spinach? You know, it's, you know it's good for you, but you don't want to go and do it, you don't want to go and eat it or watch it. We really worked hard on making this film have great production value, great char chases, beautiful cast, a moving story that means something. And there has to be a place, doesn't there, in modern cinema for stories from other parts of the world. That, that has to be. It can't just be dominated by these. And I go and see these other things with my kids and stuff. But this story has got great production value. We shot it on 35 mil. It's got a great love story. And I'm just glad that we're here and that we're going to have some sort of cinema release because it's an important story. And it gives you hope. It's no daddy's little girl. Hi, um, I'm Amrit. This is a question that any of you can answer. Um, what impact do you hope that this film will have on the world's perception of Mandela? And perhaps do you think that it might even change some negative perceptions that people have had about Mandela up until today? The, you know, the, the, what Mandela did, that he, in his 70s, managed to turn around a country peacefully. You know, he's a man who the world came to Mandela. He had a set of principles that he went into prison for. He kept true to his own beliefs, and he turned a country around and made that transition peacefully. I don't think there's another example in any history where a man has been able to do that, and with such dignity. And most importantly, he did it with forgiveness and love. You know, I mean, Mandela is an inspiration. I want my kids to come and see this movie. You know, I've got two young boys. I want them to know they keep their hearts they keep their ideas and they keep true to themselves. Mandela is a great hope. He's, he's an inspiration. And, you know, the film, the film I hope, is, is, is a true portrayal of him and shows him as a man and shows what you can do. You know, there is injustice, social injustice, as you know. Masses, massive, and it's getting worse in terms of poverty and the economic difference between people. And there's anger out there, a lot. We felt it in South Africa. Mandela gives you something to do with that anger, and he does give you hope. And uh, I hope that that audience, I think, I hope that connects with, a, with, a, with an audience today, particularly the next generation of cinema goers. I really do. I think that's all we have. Thank you very much for coming. Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. Opens Thank you. November Thanks, 29th, guys. New York and LA. Christmas Day nationwide. I'm Tom Geyer from Entertainment Weekly. Thank you, Naomi, Justin, and Idris. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. coming, Thanks. guys. Thanks, Thank guys. you.